Let's turn back now to 1 Peter and chapter 2, and we can read at verse 4. 1 Peter 2 and at verse 4. As you come to him, a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. And so on down into the following verses. We have noted on this Remembrance Sunday the importance of remembering and the the importance of reflecting on key times in the past that have had a lasting impact on the way that we live our lives today. It's important for us to remember because the further we are away from these events, the more likely we are to forget their significance. When Peter is writing to the Christians here in Asia Minor, in in modern Turkey, he is using the same tactic to draw their attention to who they are and where they have come from. And right from the beginning of the letter, from verse 3 onwards, he draws their attention to the fact that what they are depends absolutely on the death, the blood and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. It's important for us to know where our roots are and what makes us who we are today. And going on from there, he is trying to foster in their minds and their thinking a way of living whereby they understand day by day who they are from the Word of God. And that includes, of course, not simply the time of the death of the Lord Jesus and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, he puts that experience in the wider context of the Word of God. And doing so to foster in their lives and in their thinking a way of living for God, a way of serving their community, and a way of loving each other. And so far as we think of all of these things, The focus is very much on who they are as individuals. And it's great to focus on who we are as individuals. But we make a mistake when we emphasize that to the extent that we forget who we are together. And that's the step that Peter takes from verse 4 onwards in this chapter. I have told you who you are personally, individually. I have told you what you should be. Now I want to tell you who you are as Christ's church in the world. And so often we we have persevered in overemphasizing the personal aspect of our salvation to the extent that we lose sight of the significance of the church in the world and the church as the gathered people of God. And perhaps in our communities in the day in which we live, we see that so markedly that church does not mean as much as becoming a Christian means. And the two have to go together. And Peter wants to drive that point home. And I want to look at these verses today against that background so that as well as knowing who they are personally, that they will understand that everything ultimately is about the gathered people 
of God. And so we want to think of the Christian and the formation of the church. We want to think, first of all, of the foundation. If I'm going to build anything, I need a good, solid foundation. And, of course, there is order. We can't build the superstructure before we build the foundation. And so we have a foundation. And the foundation is drawn to our attention by Peter in this passage by referring to the Son of God, the Lord Jesus, in a particular way. As you, individual believers, disciples of the Lord Jesus, as you come to him. Who is the him? It is the Lord is good that they have tasted in the previous verse. As you come to the Lord, a living stone. The one thing we know about stones is that stones just don't have any life. They're hard, they're lifeless. And even in the Bible itself, in Ezekiel chapter 34, God tells us in the new work that he's going to do in your hearts and in my heart, the work that he's going to do is he's going to take away the hard, stony heart and he's going to replace it with a living heart. Stones just don't have life. And when we read the wider story of the Bible, what we do see is that stones are important in a key place in the Bible. And they are important in Solomon's building of the temple in 1 Kings. And in the building of the temple, Solomon ensured that the stones that were prepared for the building of the temple, that they were prepared away from the site and wherever they were quarried and become the, the hewn stone, the building material that was to be dressed and shaped, it was prepared away from the site and then brought to where Solomon was building this massive place that was going to, to be to demonstrate the glory of God in its appearance and to have God dwelling in it amongst his people. They were stones that were taken to the temple, having already been prepared. So when I think of, of a living stone, I'm thinking of a dressed stone. It's not any rubble. It's a, a loose stone that has been taken and shaped and prepared. And when I think of, of the Son of God, it's remarkable the way in which, away from God's dwelling place in heaven, the stone which is the Lord Jesus has been prepared by him. We think of the Son of God coming to be the Jesus of, of Bethlehem, the preparation. You have prepared a body for me. When we think of the Son of God, we think of him in the Garden of Gethsemane. We think of him sweating because of what he was going to suffer. We think of the Son of God on the cross, the preparation. He is shaped, prepared by the handiwork of God. Yes, people were involved, but this was God's work. God sent his Son. He sent his Son on a mission. And the mission was to be accomplished in the awfulness of the death on the cross at Calvary and him being laid in the tomb. It is finished. 
But when I hear these words, the stone is dressed. It's ready to take its place in the, the structure of, of God's temple that is now not going to be so much about stones but about people who are described as living stones. And the Son of God who is, who is raised from the dead. When Mary went to the tomb, when the disciples went to the tomb, the stone is rolled away. God raised his Son from the dead. He raised him up in glory. He gave him a name that is above every name. And when we see Jesus today, think of Jesus today at God's right hand, God's dressing and preparing often means that he's perfect in the sense that he sits on his throne as if it was made for him, and of course it was. And today he is that living son of God at the right hand of God, coming to a living stone. And for them who have been brought to a new birth through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, they understand that this living stone is not only a living stone, but it is a life-giving stone. And all of the life of God that he's going to communicate to his disciples is now going to come through him and in him because he is the resurrection and the life coming to him as to a living stone. And that's the Jesus whom we come to today. He is at God's right hand. And everything about him is, makes him perfectly suited to be God's saviour, to be your redeemer, to be the one who rescues you from your sin and who brings you into God's family and who gives you a place in his kingdom. You're coming to a living stone. But the living stone is the foundation stone because the master designer and architect has declared that that's how it should be. And here we have these words that remind us of that. Rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. In the sight of God. In his assessment. In, in many ways at this stage, your assessment of him does not really matter. Because the, the perfect, pure assessment of God is the one that really matters. And the God who in every aspect of his thought, of his work, of his being, he carries out his assessment of this living stone and he is chosen and he is precious. Selected by God. Behold, my servant, says Isaiah in chapter 42, Behold, my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen one, in whom I delight. God speaking through Isaiah. He is chosen. That in so many ways, there is that thoughtful and deliberate and loving and intentional choosing of his own son as, as this precious stone 
which is going to be the foundation stone of this building that is the temple of God, the church of Jesus in the world. He is chosen and he is precious. Yes, indeed, precious with regard to, to, to its value. Precious with regard to how much we think of it in that sense of value and of cost. But especially precious in the sense of giving proper recognition in the light of who he is. In other words, to honour him as to who he truly is, as God's Messiah, as, as God's Saviour, as the one who is the foundation stone and the cornerstone of the church that God is building. And we have that quotation in this verse, in this chapter from Isaiah 28, where, where God is speaking about the saving significance of the Messiah when he comes. And he is the one, God says with regard to him, Behold, in Zion I lay a stone, a tested stone, precious cornerstone, sure foundation. Whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. The foundation, the living stone, the gathered people of God, the architect who has designed what the new temple of God will look like that replaces everything that were but shadows in the Old Testament. The temple of God, the people of God. Jesus is the foundation. He is absolutely essential. He is there to provide stability and he is there to, to lock everything else together. And when, when we come to the completed building, we have the stability of the foundation stone and we have the locking together of the capstone. And we, we, we look at, at any kind of building, we go up into the loft of this building itself and the masterful way in which stones are shaped and dressed to, to complete the building. And then the building with the capstone locking the whole structure together so that there is stability and there is a knitting together and there is that sense of the completeness of the building. The foundation, the marvel of the church of Jesus today. We're sitting, sitting or standing here in church, but we are in Jesus. We're, we're standing on the foundation which is his passion and his work. And there's no saver. And whatever happens to a building, we know that those who are standing on this foundation, who is Jesus Christ, we know that nothing can destroy them, nothing can cause them to, to fall away because they are built upon that sure foundation. Let's think as our priority when it comes to our own personal salvation and the salvation of those who are around us, let's think of the priority of being part of the gathered people of God that stand on the foundation which is Christ. The foundation. 
Secondly, we want to see that if there is a foundation, there is a failure. Only the foolish person would read the directions of the designer, of the architect for any kind of building. Only a foolish person would read that and throw it to the side and do their own thing. We simply would not do that naturally. But here we see that that's exactly what people are doing. And we see in verse 4 that, that Peter makes reference to that as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men. God has made his assessment that is perfect and pure with regard to the stone. It is chosen, it is precious, it is given the place that God has designed for it in his kingdom. But here, there are those who are carrying out their own assessment. And right now, that should be all of us. Under the ministry of the word of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ, we are all called upon to make our own assessment of the person that God tells us is his son and his only saviour. And here we read that they made that assessment and they rejected him. They turned aside from him. They examined him, looked at all that he said and all that he did, and despite all of that, they threw him to the side. In language that we use in community, he was thrown to the dogs. But that's the way in which Psalm 22 describes him. Because of the way in which the religious people of the day in which he lived assessed him, examined him, re-examined him, looking for the answers that they thought they were going to get. And when they didn't get the answers they were looking for, then they disowned him, they were determined to put him to death, and so they crucified him. And while they were assessing Jesus in his own self-consciousness, Jesus knew all of the time that they were rejecting him. And these words that we have here, we we saw them referred to in Matthew chapter 21 with regard to the religious leaders. Have you not read in scriptures the stone that the builders has rejected has become the cornerstone? He knew that they were rejecting him. And that's always the absolute case as you carry out your assessment of who Jesus is, he knows what your assessment is. And he gives due regard to that, as we're going to see. But they rejected him. And we read the story of that parable. And Jesus was telling them exactly what was going to happen. And when they realized that Jesus was talking about them, They still didn't accept him. They looked for a way to kill him. And it is remarkable the the way in which they were determined to be rid of him. And despite the way in which he highlighted what they were doing, they simply ignored that. And that's our danger today. To be face to face 
with the reality of what God's word and Jesus say to us in his word to be face to face with that reality and simply ignoring it and carrying on going our own path. They rejected him. They looked for replacements. And that's what happens. And, and of so much interest through the gospel it is people who knew their Old Testament scriptures, it is people who were religious, in fact, who were so committed to religion that the most committed to religion were the very people that rejected him and sent him to the cross. The rejection. And Paul wants to give the theology of that. Why is it that some today will continue to sit listening to what God has to say and will continue to reject. It is, in verse number 7, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offence. It's simple unbelief. And that simple unbelief leads to the stone being a point of stumbling and stumbling in the sense of, of falling over and being broken which ultimately means the judgment of God and to, today if you're going to reject the claims of the Lord Jesus on you once more you will walk out here quite straightly and quite comfortably but, but in a spiritual way God wants you to understand that you have stumbled once more over this living stone which is the passion of the Son of God, the Lord Jesus. And each time you do that, you continue to stumble. And you stumble over him in the Word and you carry on and you don't realize that as we read through these verses and as we read in Isaiah 8 from where these verses are taken from, that the day will come when the people will be crushed and caught in the snare and taken away by the judgment of God. And that's what Jesus said in Matthew 21. The stone will fall and will crush you to powder. It's the final judgment of God. They stumble. They fall. Not simply fall over, but fall into the very judgment of God. A failure. Is that yourself today? There's a story, a true story told about perhaps the greatest stadium disaster ever. It's a large stadium that, that was built in ancient Rome and at the stadium 20,000 people lost their lives. It was an amphitheatre that was a venue for the gladiator games and uh, very rich entrepreneur uh, called Attilius decided to build this amphitheatre. And despite all the money that he had, he aimed to have a building set up and built up as soon as possible and not concerned with the foundation, he urged the builders to carry on with the materials that he gave them and simply to build the stadium. And on one of the first occasions on which the stadium was built for 20,000 people. 
50,000 people came to the stadium and 20,000 lost their lives and mainly because there was no foundation and the whole amphitheatre fell on top of them and crushed them. The foolishness of not building on the stone. Failure equals foolishness in the words of Jesus himself. The person who builds his house on the sand will surely fall when the storm comes. The failure. What is your assessment of Jesus today? What does your assessment mean if you reject him? Do you appreciate the destiny that Jesus speaks of? Do you appreciate the steps that are, that are going to follow? Do you appreciate the ultimate destruction and the lostness of a lost eternity forever? There's a foundation, there's a failure, but there is also a formation. And the disciples are coming to him as you come to him. Peter himself, who followed the Lord Jesus, who, who left everything and who followed him, they are coming to him now as living stones. And the life that they have, Peter the rock, Peter the stone, the life that they have now is the life that they have in him. And they are coming to him as these dressed stones prepared for their place in the kingdom of God, in the church of Jesus, in this massive building of God. And if we can think of, of the dressing, the preparing of the stone, which is Jesus, the Son of God, we can also think of the dressed stone, which is a sinner saved by grace. And we can surely say that the very dressing and pre preparation of God begins even before we come to be converted. That so much of life up until that point, that God is working in our lives and nothing is wasted by God, shaping and moulding our character, shaping and moulding us in, in our gifts and in, in our development in such a way as to make us the people that we will be when his grace comes and when we come to be born again. And who knows today what, what God is doing in your life if you haven't yet come to know the Lord, that every step that he's bringing you through, that they're all steps of your preparation under the hand of God, bringing you towards the point when you will come to take your place in the superstructure which is the living church of God. We have all had experiences of life before coming to that great moment of being born again. And that's the creative power of God. The living stones that we have here, the, the life of God in our souls and the, the day of our birth being as living stones, being built up as a spiritual house. All that we are in that moment 
and all that God has made us in that moment to prepare us to be his children, created in Christ Jesus for good works. And taken then to, to be part of this massive superstructure, the spiritual house. How is it spiritual? Not in the sense of it being mystical and mysterious. It's holy spirituality. It's spiritual because of the Holy Spirit. And it's remarkable because when you read of the, the Temple of Solomon, which he, which he had completed, and when it came to, to finishing the temple, and he was praying for, for God to come and dwell in this temple, and he says, Will God indeed dwell on earth? The heaven and the heaven, the highest of heavens cannot contain him. Is he going to come and live in this house that, that I have built, says Solomon? And then God comes in all of his glory and, and he fills the temple with all of his glory, demonstrating his living presence with his people. And today we can, we can say the, the same thing. That we read in Psalm number 118, this is the doing of the Lord and marvellous in our eyes that there is that sense of wonder that in the gathered people of God, as they are the church of God in the world, that God dwells in them and with them and that all of his glory is theirs. A glory that we cannot see, the glory of his presence but it's a presence that is certainly with them. And they are there as those who have the same privilege as Jesus himself. So, in verse 7, so the honour is for you who believe. It's the same root word in, in, in the Greek language as we have with regard to Jesus being precious so he is honoured by God because of what he is and because of God's design and what God has made him to be. And now he says, with regard to those who are the children of God, who are the living stones, honour is for you. Proper recognition in God's kingdom. What is proper recognition in God's kingdom? What do you think you deserve in God's church and God's kingdom? You don't think you're worth, worthy of any honour or, or any place in, in God's kingdom. But it's what God thinks. It's his assessment of his son that's important. And now it's his assessment of his children that's important. And his assessment is that honour is for you. You will be given that same place of honour along with Jesus, the son of God. And we'll have that standing in, this, in the final kingdom and in that glorious new temple that we have in Revelation 21 and Revelation 22 where the, the city of God, the heavenly Jerusalem having a place honoured in his presence in that glorious day. And today 
we have the honour of being part of this great superstructure. We have a spirit in our hearts, a spirit that binds us together. And we are building on the foundation stone, which is the Son of God. And today, Christ is building his church. God is building his church, preparing people like you and me to take our place in this marvellous superstructure in which he dwells himself, made up of sinners saved by grace until the last of the sinners to be saved is brought in and then the capstone that will lock the whole building together for all of the glorious eternity into which Jesus will, will lead his people and there to be with him forevermore. The formation. Are you part of God's project today? Have you embraced? Have you believed? Have you seen him as precious? Have you taken the same assessment as God himself? Are, is your life and your thinking with regard to the Lord Jesus in harmony with God's assessment of him? Or are you still failing to appreciate who he is? There's a great privilege in believing. There's a great danger in failing to embrace. And let's pray today that we will discover in our hearts what it means to be part of this spiritual building because the Holy Spirit dwells in it and pray that together we will be locked together as those who are built on the foundation which is Christ and so learning day by day the meaning and the preciousness and the, the inseparable link between our personal salvation and Christ's church in the world and when we grasp that it will transform our own personal lives and it will transform the life of the church of Christ in the world. May God bless his word to us. Let us pray. Gracious and eternal God, we are thankful to you for the matter of your plans and the matter of your design and the matter of your preparation. Preparation for our salvation in the preparation of your son to be our saviour and the preparation of people like yourselves to be part of your kingdom, to belong to your church in the world and to be part of its life and part of its living and part also of its service and ministry. So bless your word to us today we pray and help us to appreciate more of the depths and the riches of it and to may we have our hearts reassured in the knowledge of who you are and what you have done in our hearts and in our lives. Here our prayer we ask and our mercy. We ask these things for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen.